your turn to do the, uh, My turn? All right. the intro. <coughs> All right then, and welcome back, offers, to the Cult of Popularity podcast, the only podcast where it doesn't you ask... You that up. What's that? Because you said the only podcast that doesn't... <laughs> Every fucking time. All right, not a problem. We'll go again, though. It's the Cult of Popularity podcast. Alright then, and welcome back, coppers. Back on the Cult of Popularity podcast, the only cult that doesn't ask you to worship its leaders like gods. However, if you want to worship us like gods, we're open to that as well. That's right. You can... What do people give gods these days? A whole bunch of prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Oh, shit. Anyway, moving on from that, here we are with uh episode about... What we got? Frasier? Frasier, TV series. Uh, we've also got the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater video game series. And? The Blues Brothers, my all-time favourite movie. There we go. So, well, we're going to leave the best to last then. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's start with... Let's do Tony. Tony. Do Tony first. Tony? Yeah. Tony Tony Hawk's and his Pro Skater-iness. <laughs> um, obviously, I would say a bit of a, uh, bit of a game changer, maybe. Pun very no, much intended. No, 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 that was no pun. Pun very much intended. No, no Josh pun on board puns now. That's not true, people. Um, right, it was different. It was new. It was unique when it came out, yeah? Back in the yeah, old PlayStation it, it 1. it certainly was. It was one of the biggest memories I have from my childhood is playing Tony Hawk's. Oh, I definitely. played it a lot. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that game, I reckon, in a lot of, especially people our age... Um, people our age, especially people with siblings. Yes. Because you would have played it with like your brother or sister or whatever, and you know, played multiplayer, played horse, or um, what was the other one? Back when they made good multiplayer games, yeah, you could play um, on one console. Tag. We had like you had to like well, there's the graffiti tag one where like you like you do a big high number trick on a piece of the environment, and that'd like spray paint it red. For example, ah yes, and then you, if you're a person you were playing against, it a bigger trick, it'd change it to blue, and then whoever had the most ground owned as theirs, marked as theirs, won the uh, won the, the round. Yeah, no, I, I do remember that now. Forgot about that, but the horse was always good. Yeah, it was just it, the almost thing, the same, thing. same sort of thing. Trying to do the biggest trick at the highest points, but without wiping out. Mm. And if you did, if you if you lost, you got a, a letter. And then if you got all the letters to spell horse, you were a horse. Classic. But it was definitely fun, like, especially the first, what, three, four games? Four games. The first four games were really solid. Um, even Underground was pretty good. American Wasteland was okay. And then sort of, when it sort of got a bit off off track then and went, sort of went downhill. It did a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I played Underground a little bit. Yeah. But I was I was definitely much more of a fan of the cl- more classic style of playing where you just went into the world, had like you know collect the the skate, and yeah, get a select time frame as well to do it on mm. most levels. Yeah, no, I was definitely a big fan of that. It was good times trying to just you know rack up those massive scores in the two minute time that you got to go in there and do them in and things like that. I think the the warehouse from the first game is probably one of the most iconic video game levels. Mm. 
True, there's a warehouse. I was thinking there's another one from the second one. Maybe the hangar. The hangar. The, the hangar in the second one. No, I think it's either the third or the fourth one. I can't remember. I'm leaning more towards the fourth one. There's Alcatraz. Ooh. And you can go skate around Alcatraz. And there's actually a baseball field where you use your skateboard as like a bat and you like play a game of baseball against prisoner ghosts. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's cool. There was also the other cool thing, like you had to find like the special spots where, you, um, like for example, I think it was the no, it's the ha- I'm thinking of the hangar level where they had the half pipe when you first drop in, but if you grind it along the propeller at the end of the half pipe, it would open that roller door there and go in. That's just that sick half pipe where you just rack up massive scores. Yeah. Same. Uh, I don't know if there's any others had too, but they also had the one where you if you grind along the the helicopter's blades. That would um, start the chopper going off and open up that other section as well. Yeah, behind there, it was it was pretty. They were pretty famous games for having the like hidden level, hidden areas in levels, mm. which was really cool. I think it was. Um, it's unfortunate I couldn't get couldn't get a hold of a copy of the original Tony Hawk's games. I kind of wish you had told me because I would have just bought my copy over from home. But... <laughs> which you told me, yeah, just before coming into this episode that you actually had them at home. At home, um, but I did have uh, ProSkate HD, which was a re- reimagining of the original ones. Definitely wasn't as good. You could tell, I don't know, I feel like the controls weren't as good as I remember them. Whether or not that was the people that remade it, which was different to Neversoft, it was R- Robomodo who remade that after they failed after taking over the series from Neversoft. But yeah, it felt clunky. forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> Where did I start off? Uh, you started off with you couldn't actually get your hands on a copy of it. And then you started playing the HD version. Yep. Still nothing. Nah, still All nothing right. there. Well, let's move right along then. We'll come back uh, to it if it might circle back if pops back into my something brain. Something uh, wakes up in your brain. Uh, so, the, also, the game series had a lot of unique, unlockable characters, like some really weird ones. Like you don't that, that weren't skaters, you mean? That weren't skaters, yeah. Like you could unlock, like you'd unlock the mall cop from the mall level in the first one. That's pretty cool. You could unlock Shrek at one point when Shrek was obviously very big. Yeah, right. Spider Man, and actually each unlockable character had a unique trick that they did that was in t- like in line with their character. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I think I remember. I don't think I ever managed to do it myself, but I do remember that Spider-Man was an unlockable character. Yeah, and he'd like like flip the board out and then he'd like web sling it back in and, and do a trick with it like that. Mm. That's because, I actually think, yeah, because I'm pretty sure Neversoft actually made the Spider-Man game on the PlayStation 1. They did. They were mm. one of the better Spider-Man games they mm. made. Neversoft was solid. They were um, a solid company. They made some really good stuff. One game which I really enjoyed playing by them was Apocalypse, which was the game they made just before they started making Tony Hawks yeah. uh, which was actually really cool because they actually used uh, Bruce Willis um, Bruce Willis's likeness and actually got him on board for it as well he recorded a few lines for it as, and it was a bit of a one of those games where you run around and you get weapons and stuff and you just use like the second the right stick and you just hold it down in a direction in whichever direction you're holding it in you sh- yeah you shoot yeah. off and stuff it was pretty cool it was, it was pretty basic in what it was but it was fun yeah and that's what games were back then, though. A lot of the games back then were just basic but really fun. Mm. Like, even the Tony Hawk's games weren't crazy. I mean, they got sort of more complex as the technology allowed them to. But for the most part, they were just bounce skateboarding. 
bounce skateboarding. About skateboarding. Oh, they'll just bounce skateboarding. I've like, no. never heard that to describe it before. Bounce no, skateboarding. New skate style. Bounce skate. Regular, goofy, and bounce. <laughs> bounce. Which was actually just stacking and seeing how hard you do bounce yeah, off the ground once you stacked. How far you could ragdoll. <laughs> oh. uh, I still remember one of the cheat codes from Tony Hawk's, which was There Is No Spoon, which is the anti gravity cheat. That's pretty funny. That's pretty cool. So that, how would that work though? Like you, you can't you can't need gravity for the game to work. No, it work. It worked in the sense that you'd like ollie, and then you hold the like the ollie button, mm. and he'd just go up as high as you'd as long for as long as you'd hold it, and then you let go, and then you could do the tricks and stuff on the way down. Yeah, right. Mess up some huge scores, I'm sure. Yeah, but that was pretty cool. Uh, good selection of skaters in it. Uh, I'm fairly certain my main man, Rodney Mullen, wasn't oh, wasn't in the first one. There was, yeah, there's a lot of different skates which appeared and then left for a game or two and then came back. I don't know, for whatever reasons that they may have decided that they didn't want to come back and then did. Royalties. Money. My, uh, my main two go-tos in the first game were Jeff Rowley. You do the dark side grind. I love that. Which is like, you like, it's like a board slide, but you flip the board upside down. No, I... standing on the trucks and then like it's just grinding the tape. That's pretty cool. And Kareem, Kareem Campbell almost said Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem, uh, Kareem Campbell. And he had like the boombox one where like the ghetto blast, I think it was called, where you like, he'd skate and he'd dance and he'd magically pull a boombox up <laughs> and just start blaring. The... Beauty of video games. Yeah. Magic of beauty, video games. Uh, that was uh, it was a really good series for just just some fun that you could play. It was that was it. It was it was fun. Like it was a good um, you had a group of mates around things like that. You pop that out, everyone would take a turn, play horse or something like that, and you just you just had fun. Yeah, and you could you could spend hours on it, just going through and you could even with your mates, just going through, taking it in turns, trying to complete the levels and get all the stuff and do all the the special tricks and. Yeah. get it down and just master it it was like it was like Mortal Kombat back in the day where you'd like you'd spend ages going through playing through the levels but trying to learn all the like all the fatalities and all the combo moves and everything mm. animality animality babality turn people into babies for some reason why not video games do what you want video games uh, yeah big series for for a lot of reasons uh, also makes me sort of reminiscent of back around that time the lesser-known title that came out was um, Dave Mirror BMX, which was yeah. pretty much just the same thing, but on a bike. Yeah, there was Dave Mirror. I was actually looking next. I remember that there was, like, the BMX. Um, they also made... Um, oh, what was the surfboarder? Kelly? Kelly Slater. Kelly, Kelly Slater, I'm pretty sure it was. Surfboarding as well. And I swear there was another one as I well. I feel a surfing game would be a lot harder to, to make interesting. Because, like, on a bike or a skateboard, you can go to all different terrains, but, mm. like, you can really just go <laughs> up and down on a wave. That's it. Or through a pipeline. Yeah. And now I was pretty sure there was another... I think there's a snowboarding one as well. Yeah. Whoever was not, famous not, for snowboarding. Oh, it was, um... Sean White skate, uh, snowboarding. There you go. Yeah. There it is. You remember who was famous at the time for yeah. snowboarding. Sean, Sean White famously on the... Uh, there's an interview of him... Well, things like on CNN or something like that when he was just starting to get really big and he just won like the X Games and stuff and they're like what are you doing later and stuff and he's like oh you know probably catching up with some people having some drinks and they're like you're not 21 
He's like, yeah, just sodas. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> good cover. Good yeah, cover. he wasn't talking about sodas. So was, there is no way he was. not talking about sodas. He already looked like he was three parts cut in the video. So, <laughs> Going back to royalties, though, I tell you what, probably one of the best decisions Tony Hawk probably ever made was when he was offered to come on board for it. So that, again? No, no, that was not a pun. I'm not on... It was a pun. Oh, I was about to say I'm not on board with the puns, but... And then you made another pun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, game was already in development, already been made, because they wanted it, and then they went and found Tony, um, or someone, to help endorse the product. It happened to be Tony Walker after he had a bit of play at the demo and was like, oh, yeah, no, that's cool. Let's do it. And they were like, oh, cool. Well, if you want to do it, how about we just give you this money? And he was like, how about you pay me royalties instead? Which turned out to be a good choice for him because apparently ended up making, within two years of the first game's release, he'd made ten times as much as what their initial lump sum offer was. Holy shit. That's pretty awesome. That's a very good decision on his part. Definitely. Well, obviously he's pulled away from that now because he originally signed on for only to go to 2002 with the games then after obviously their massive success that it had. Signed on again for 2015. Um, to which point he ended the contract because after Robomodo Robo took over the franchise and absolutely just ran it into the fucking ground, yeah, he didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore, which, which is, is fair, fair enough. That's yeah. very fair. Because they really did. They ruined it. I think what, the last game that was made with Neversoft was Proving Ground. Yeah. Because then they, they made Tony Hawk, because Robomodo made the Tony Hawk's 5. They did. That was, that, that was their last ditch effort to try. Did they make Downhill Jam as well. Downhill um, Jam was shit. Did they? Uh, Downhill Jam, was that the... Let me have a look. Uh, no, they did not. They didn't, but I don't think Neversoft made that either, because that was made specifically for the Wii. I don't think Neversoft actually helped with that one either. Uh, the first game that Ro- Robomodo made was Motion. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, like I'd never heard of them. And then they made two more games, Ride and Shred. Then they made Pro Skater HD, realising that whatever they were doing was shit. Um, and then decided to take something that was good and make it shit themselves as well. And then, yeah, made Pro Skater 5, which we got absolutely slammed. Like, it was pretty bad. Apparently they rushed it, they didn't even finish it properly. They just got it out there, did deadlines and things like that. And, yeah, it was shit. Yeah, if you didn't do, do stuff like that, do it properly. Like, well, that's it. doesn't take much to do it properly. Um, big fan of I was obviously a big fan of Rodney Mullen uh, growing up who doesn't I don't think gets as much props as he probably deserves he invented a great deal of the tricks that most skaters do did he though? he did he invented like things like the kick flip uh, finger flip air walk all those sorts of things he invented a lot of tricks didn't invent the ollie but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no that Big fan, big fan of Rodney's. Um, obviously, I was a little bit of a skater for a little while when uh, Tony Hawks was at its height, and my brother used to go skating. He was much better than I was. He could actually do tricks. I could, like, half-ass an ollie, and I was lucky if I could ollie. I could manual and nose manual, and that was it. <laughs> I was lucky if I could ollie. Everyone showed me the uh, the foundations, basically. You know, 
way it was to be done. Yeah, never succeeded. Foot, pop your foot, drag your shoe up the board. Never worked for me. Yeah, that's it. It's like, that's like, all you gotta do, man. Every now and again, I get like a little bit of the, like the back wheel off, but that'd be about it. Yeah, it's like, that's all you gotta do. I'm like, that's what I try and do. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. But yeah, one time my brother and I were skating, and one of his friends had just got a Razor scooter, and he was on his friend's Razor scooter and wouldn't give it back to him. And then his friend pushed him and he went in front of a car. This like drunk dude was already hanging out the window when they had to slam on the brakes. And he was like, oh, you fucking stupid kids. Got out and went up to my brother and he's like, give me that scooter. And my brother was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Gave him the scooter and the guy put it in the boot of his car and drove off with it. Now, when you say hanging out the window, is this like Ace Ventura? No, he was like drunk in the back seat, just like hanging out the window. Oh, right, right. So he wasn't the driver. He wasn't the driver. Right, okay. That, that's good for him because he probably shouldn't have been driving. He definitely should not have been driving. But it was, yeah, it was really funny. And we still talk about it now. I was very young at the time. I was probably like 11 or 12. So I hid because I didn't want to get bashed by Bogans. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like hiding behind some of the other people. And, <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, it was just really funny. It was a really funny story. No, that's pretty funny. Uh, how, how did... Do you know how your brother's mate went with having to explain what happened to his scooter? He just told his parents it got stolen. I'm pretty sure they bought him another one. Everything's fine then. Everything can't road. That's it. I think that, I think as as a game series though, it really affected pop culture in a way that no other one did at the time. Like it was so big for its time that like everyone pretty much was playing it. Even oh, people every, that weren't yeah. even people that went into skating were playing it. Well, yeah, that's it. And that, well, I think that's the beauty of it as well. People who liked skating and playing it, it was, I mean, skateboarding, I guess, was starting to become a little bit more mainstream around the time. Obviously, there's the X Games and everything happening around there, um, which only about a month before the actual first game was released, Tony Hawk um, managed to pull off his famous 900. At the, the X Games. At the X Games. Yeah. Which obviously helped massively in the promotion of the game as well. Um, and certainly it was one thing that made me want to get a skateboard. I'm pretty sure, like, that was the next thing I asked. I was like, oh, I want a skateboard. I then got the skateboard that I couldn't do anything on apart from stand on and ride down the street. But it got me interested. Made me really wish that I could be that cool. Yeah. I never was. I never grinded anything. Yeah, definitely pushed skateboarding more into the mainstream. And I guess it brought out those other sports who are like Dave Mirror, BMX, everything ended up being picked up off it as well. Which brought more of those... I don't know. They're extreme sports. What would they be? I mean, I guess when they're doing all the flippy shit and going up off ramps yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I'd still call it extreme sports. I'd even go as far as to say that things like that have influenced and would have been, would have paved the way for things like trials and stuff like that, like, motor, like the motorcycle games. Because like before mm. then, they weren't really doing them sort of things. Like, I mean, you had like road rash and stuff like that. But oh, they classic. Weren't, they weren't doing things like you know, trick-based sort of yeah that's it. It, was, it was just more straight up racing which mm. interesting enough that is what Activision originally wanted they wanted a skating game um like uh Sega's uh, Top Skater where you just race people but, yeah where you just basically just downhill racing people uh but Neversoft thankfully said oh well yeah actually we're kind of capable of being able to do a lot more than that check this cool shit out and thankfully Activision were like do it. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that then. It was amazing. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, but yeah, solid series. I would still probably go back and play some of the first games now and happily sit oh, down and, and burn definitely. hours. 
Like, I actually looked at it because I, I didn't want to just play um, Prosecutor HD when I do it. I actually went looking on the PlayStation Store to try and find it. And I, I couldn't find no, like none of them. There were no Tony Hawk's games on the PlayStation Store at all. That's the next thing that needs to come back for a remaster. Just don't don't ruin anything. Just remaster the graphics. Like, stuff scale it. it. Just upscale it to yeah. HD and up re-release it. HD, re-release the first, like, even four. do like all the four of them all at once, like even like a mm. pack. Do and it. That'd be sick. Do it. Activision, get your shit together. Hmm. Which I think, which I think, well, I think is what HD was meant to be, but I went to another company and honestly it didn't feel the same as what I remember. No. I think Neversoft had a big influence on the actual ability of the, what you could do in the game. Mm-hmm. And without that, it's not the same. It isn't. It's true. Great series of the old Tony Hawk's games. Loved them. Loved everything about them. But now, from skating hawk to a shrink that loves to talk, let's talk about Fraser. Let's, yeah, let's talk about Fraser. By the way, I just thought you said from a skating hall um, at first. Just so you're aware. Tony might have liked a lot of pussy back in the day. We don't know. Pretty sure it didn't. Oh, well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. He probably would have been getting a bit thrown at him. I reckon he would have got a lot thrown at him. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yes, someone who... Oh, no. Fraser had a few women throw, throw themselves at him. He did. Uh, he, had a, he had a few of the ladies liking what they saw. They did indeed, didn't they? They did. The big fan of the... Uh, the crane man. The crane, the crane, craniator? Craniator, the cranium. Ooh, ooh. ooh, I see what you did there. Because he's smart too. Or I was more going because he's a psychologist. Psychologist. Inside your head. Yeah, you know, he's a shrink. He's a shrink. Obviously, as we sort of touched on when we drew it out of the hat, most successful spin-off series of all time. Definitely. And I will retcon what I said in the last episode. Doesn't have an iconic intro theme. It has an iconic outro theme. Indeed. But it is still an awesome theme. It is, yeah. Was it tossed salad and scrambled eggs? That's right. It's a very good theme. So I actually looked into it, find out what was going on. So Kelsey Grammer actually. Uh, cool. You guys probably didn't hear that, but someone just screeched their brakes someone somewhere. Someone just really slammed on the anchors hard. <laughs> that was a. Uh, there's no... Well, there was dead silence between us. <laughs> we were just waiting for the bang. Didn't happen, thankfully. So, that's good. That's good. Probably someone trying to avoid bloody cat or something. Anyway. The, uh... So, okay. I'll go into it. So, oh, okay. Well, something's going on out there. Third beef of horns. Oh, someone's not happy. So, when they... Well, who was it? I got their name. Bruce Miller was tasked with making the song. Uh, tossed salad and scrambled eggs and he was told specifically not to refer to or to avoid any words about psychiatry radio shows the name Frasier and anything else that directly indicated any aspects of the show he was like oh so thanks thanks for the guidelines where I can't mention a single fucking thing about the show awesome so he actually referred to a friend to help him with the lyrics and that's where he came up with the came back to him with the initial line Toss salad and scrambled eggs, which is meant to refer to like the people that call into the radio show. Right. And then toss salad has a whole other meaning as well. <laughs> it wasn't the one that I'll go on for though, it's right? We've <laughs> <laughs> got Chris Rock screaming in the in the back of my head right now. 
one of his bits from one of his early specials where he's like, having your salad tossed means having your asshole eaten out with chili or syrup. I prefer syrup. And there we go. If anyone was wondering what the second meaning was, there, there it is. is. <laughs> um, sorry. The lyrics are, hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. To salads and scrambled eggs. Um, but maybe I seem a bit confused. So that's meant to be, obviously, a reflection of Fraser's personality there as well. Honey, I've got you pegged. Yeah, that's it. So that's meaning Fraser obviously does actually understand what the call is calling square you Square peg, about. square hole. Got it. <laughs> that's it. Um, but I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. Hey, we should make this into like an impromptu misinterpreted song lyrics because pegging someone has a lot, another massive different <laughs> connotation. <laughs> Honey, I've got you pegged is a bit of a stretch. Uh. <laughs> and then he goes back to say, they're calling again. Obviously, people if you don't know what in. that, if you don't know what that refers to, then people are calling into the show. I got it. Very good. Very good. So the guy had to like dosy do and dance his way around the the topics, but still made it about yeah. it somehow. Yeah, somehow, which is pretty cool. And I think if you actually listen to the full version, it's just Kelsey Grammer saying basically those same things to the music, different ways, which are then all used at different uh, during the end. Yeah, which is, sequence. which is in time or in tune with the intro and the animation. Mm. The animation's always different, but there's about, say, 25? Yeah, so the guy who did the animation, he reckons in total over the series run, he made about 25 different animations. Which, if you take 25 animations, you scramble them over 11 seasons, and you mix them up in the right way... People wouldn't notice they were the same. Mm, given, well, that, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. They, well, they, yeah, there would be enough of space between them. Yeah, but if you're rotating one after the other, and then you change the way you rotate them, you're not gonna. That's it. You're not gonna pick up. People aren't gonna pick up. Come on, being American series, well, there probably would have been like somewhere between twenty-two and twenty-six episodes a season. Oh, I thought you were were going towards being an American series. People weren't smart enough to pick up on it. I was like, it's a bit harsh, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We love um, our American listeners. We actually have a couple in America, so shout out to you guys. Thank you. Uh, in Vikes Territory in uh, Minnesota. Very good. Is it Minnesota or Michigan? One of the ones that start with M. Cool. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, all are on the uh, the tune. Now, I know you're going to hate me for bringing this up because I bring it up a lot in conversation, but binging with Babish. The show uh, by Andrew Ray on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He's a massive Fraser fan. Fraser's actually his favourite TV show. He's actually got the Skyline animation tattooed on the back of his right bicep. Really? Yeah. And he like found ways to put episodes in about Fraser, obviously the same way that we try to find and shoehorn things into episodes that we like. <laughs> um, but he used to use the tossed salads and scrambled eggs as the intro to all of his videos. Yeah, but nice. then that's since changed. I don't know if that's more of a copyright thing. Mm. I don't think it's a copyright thing. I think he's just changed his style because if it was a copyright thing, he would have had to take the old the, videos yeah. down and then re-edit them and put them back up. Mm, true. If we can get in contact with him and, and he can give us an answer on that, that'd be great. But yeah, he's used that quite a bit. The reason I bring him up so much is because obviously I used to be a chef and I actually had an idea. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if someone just started making like, I should just start making like all the foods from TV shows and movies. And then I searched it and I'm like, oh, he's already doing yeah. that and he's doing it very fucking well. 
Yeah, nice. <laughs> does it like look good? Does he, does he like do it in a way off topic now? But does he do it in a way where he like takes foods and makes them as they were, or does he modify them all so they would be, I guess, more edible or Both. enjoy? Okay, cool. So he does them 100% true to the way it is in the show first. Mm-hmm. If that's garbage or not as good as it could be, he then takes it to the next level by modifying it in a way. Like he's not a professional chef in it or anything like that, but he might as well be. He's very good. Uh, but he takes it and he just changes it to make it better and more palatable mm. except there was one episode where he, he couldn't find a way to make something more palatable what so he was put it? A, a challenge out to the audience for them to try and make it more palatable and someone won it and they won a, I think they won a copy of his book and some other stuff no. uh, was it was it the carpet the carpanini from um, Family Guy where Peter's in the car and he makes he gets like, he's got a sandwich press in the car mm-hmm. and he's like making this panini but he's like putting like sausages in it and then like ketchup I think it's like ketchup or something like that he puts some sort of sauce in it and then instead of using eggs he cracks like um, Cadbury cream eggs into it and like so it's just a mismatch of all this weird shit and yeah someone actually found a way to make it palatable yeah right interesting yeah so but back on the topic of Fraser great series uh, obviously great spin off from from Cheers which I'm sure we'll cover if it's not in the hats, I'm sure we'll cover it at some yeah, stage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll touch on it a little bit here. But, but it um, does deserve it, its own episode. Yeah, Fraser's got enough there that we, we definitely do everything on that. Uh, but yeah, definitely at some point we'd love to do Cheers as well. Yeah. That was uh, yeah, iconic in itself Great as well. series. Great. That one, now I am 100% right on this one, had a great intro. It did. Yeah. Where everybody knows, knows your name. name. So, Very good. I, I did do a little. I did look into it as well. It's not the first. was not the first spin-off show to come from Cheers either. So what else was there? There was another one. I can't remember oh, exactly what it was called. Now, I think it was based off the. The who was the waitress in Cheers? Which one? The main one. The one with the curly black hair? Yes. Ooh, can't I remember, remember her name. name. Anyway, I presume it was her ex. Something like that, or a family. And yeah, it only lasted for like 13 episodes before it got cancelled. So you're saying that Woody Harrelson didn't get a spin-off with his character Woody? No. No, he did not. Um, but yeah, apparently it only lasted like 13 minutes. He got like absolutely slammed for just being like... So they were like what an American Italian family just got slammed for being like very stereotypical racist sort of almost in the way it portrayed the characters very very short life yeah but realistically there have been other TV shows that have had like played up stereotypes and have been successful mm, makes you wonder how they how they went about doing it for yeah. it to, to get... be like reviewed badly in the way that they went about doing it oh it certainly does one thing while we are just quickly touching on cheese, I did love was the stitch ups in it. Like that always, it just seemed like every every other episode, someone was getting stitched up with something like usually like Norm or someone was like setting someone up. Like I know there's an episode with a bartender named his name's Wayne and he's a real like dick and no one likes him, and so they stitch him up. He reckons he can make any cocktail and there's not a cocktail around that he's never heard of. So they make up this fictitious cocktail and they put him in a competition against someone else, but they've already worded him up on how to make this cocktail. Mm-hmm. So then he makes it and 
and then yeah, he quits his job because he was he was beaten in the competition. Yeah, right. Yeah. I love that because I love a good stitch up. Oh mate, good stitch up is always classic. It is classic. Now, one thing about Cheers and Fraser is in Cheers, when Fraser was starring in it, he said that his father had passed away, and he didn't. He was an only child. That's correct. So yeah, on two separate occasions. He mentioned that his father had passed away, and he also told them that his dad was um, like a research assistant or something as well. Which obviously, if you've watched Fraser, his dad's very blue collar. And he was a police officer. Yeah, he was a police officer. Um, so it did eventually get it. So that had already started, and then Kelsey Grammer actually pointed out, like halfway or at some point during the production of uh, the first season, that it was inconsistent with what Fraser Crane had already told the gang at in Cheers. And so like, mm, yeah, cool. Let's just go with it. They retconned it in um the second season. Yeah. yeah. I think pretty sure it's the episode where the episode where Sam shows up or something like that that they called it. So Sam comes to visit, visits Frasier and um He's like, I thought your dad was dead. Yeah, you were only child, like yeah. Um I think they retcon they retcon the, the dead dad thing. So he told them that he just lied to them. Um but I don't think they ever actually addressed the fact that he said he was our only child, so I guess they just tried to let that one slip underneath. Let that one go through to the keeper and hope mm. no one, no one noticed. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, like I like I love I love his dad, like John Mahoney's character. Oh, yeah. He's hilarious, just like such a brutal smart ass all the time. <laughs> resonates greatly with me because uh, I am a brutal smart ass. <laughs> um, but even like, I love his dog, Eddie. Oh, Eddie was like, great. Like, whoever that actual dog was, was super well-trained. Mm-hmm. Kudos to them. Because like, he hit his marks perfectly mm. in the episodes, which is great. Big fan of Daphne for multiple reasons. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. No, she was a great choice too as well though. Um, in regards, because apparently they didn't want to get... Um, like a, they, a British person to play the role of Daphne because they didn't want to like draw it towards like the nanny and things like that. Yeah. Um, but she fit the role perfectly. British, I don't, I don't want to use the word servants, um, <laughs> but employees, house. No, no, that's all they like. They're, they're, it's a job. That's Butlers, what their job is. Sort they're, of, they're pretty. They're, they're like, like servants. Yeah. Um, but that, that's like if you think of any TV series where they've had one, like sitcom always been successful like the nanny True. with Niles Niles was a great um, butler hilarious sort of character um, Fresh Prince I was going to say Jeffrey Jeffrey G-Man yeah <laughs> and uh, and then obviously Daphne and Fraser hmm. there's probably other examples but they're the main three. Oh yeah definitely oh, as soon as you said it I, thought, I actually thought of Jeffrey from Went Fresh Prince Jeffrey, yeah. yeah Rachel and I have argued many times about who's more sassy out of uh, or who would like win a burn off out of Jeffrey and Niles I'm team Jeffrey, Rachel's team Niles. Mm, I reckon it'll be Jeffrey. Yeah. He because he, he very he's very subtle. And his zingers are sharp. Yes, as. they are. They're fastballs. They come mm. in and they come in hot and hard. Someone just like, like if something like, whoa, oh, where'd that come from? G man, G man. Um, we keep getting off topic with phrases though. Um, so um, I think the 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 only child thing though. Um, so originally when they started writing Fraser. He didn't have a brother. Um, Niles was added in later on after one of the assistant casting directors were pointing out to the producers that um, David Hyde Pierce had a striking resemblance to, to Kelsey Grammer back when he 
first started coffee and cheese and they were actually super blown away by how much he actually resembled him and by his acting ability that they offered him the role and he accepted it without even reading script and he smashed it mm. like he was really good it's like a, it's such a great character I remember because I've recently started watching the first season again when I knew we were doing it for mm. the show. Because so, I'd only ever seen sort of sporadic episodes. That's, I'd yeah. never sat down and watched it, so I'm trying to watch it from start to finish now. I was at the start and I was like, why? Like, how did this happen? Like, these two kids are such, like, stuck-up, snobby little cunts. <laughs> and their dad's such, like, a, like a blue-collar, working-class sort of man. Then they sort of touch on that in the first season when they say, like, their mother was very much that way. Yeah, and then I think it was actually an episode where they they were going to take their dad out for like a fancy dinner, and they didn't take him out they because they couldn't get into the restaurant, so he took them to the steakhouse. Yes, yeah. And then they were being all like pretentious and, mm. and wankery, and then he rips into him and he's like, "Yes, your mother was high class, but she also had enough class to not belittle people in front of them and, and be you know rude and you know would try to be part of a moment." Mm. And then walked out, and I was like, "Oh, that's Burn. harsh." Yeah. Like. That's one of those, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed sort of moments. <laughs> that like, really was. I'm doing this to hurt you and I'm going mm. to hit you right where it hurts. But yeah. That's why you guys, that episode had the, um, the end credits team with it because then they decided that they weren't going to leave until they finished their meals. <laughs> and so they're still sitting at the restaurants all closed up and the waiting staff are just sitting there really impatiently waiting for them to bloody finish. I couldn't, I don't know if I could deal with people like that. I don't like sort of snotty nose sort of people like that, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah, when you think about it, like if you like you love watching the characters, you love seeing them, but if you actually met them in real life, you'd be like, "You're a fuckhead." Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's why it's funny. I mean, because they take those, they obviously emphasise on those points more, and that's where the comedy. comedy yeah, it's comes more of a, it's more yeah. of a caricature than it is an actual. Like it's it's not a drama series. You're not sitting there going, "Oh man, this could be a real person." I mean, they could be real people, but talking about casting and things as well though so there was only actually one character of the main original cast that actually had to audition for it which was for the role of Roz uh, Fraser's producer or yeah. like your, yeah. on the radio show yeah I think, I, think she, I think it was her I'm pretty sure she was his producer yeah. but it was the only role they did and they actually like um, were pretty much open they didn't know who or what they were going for so they actually took over like 300 auditions or nearly 300 auditions or something looking for someone to fulfil the role and they like, looked at everyone like could have been any, literally anyone. Didn't you say before we started recording that Lisa Kudrow mm. was one of the one of the people that auditioned? Well, yeah, no, she was also she was originally offered the role too. Oh really? Um, so she actually went into it and started with rehearsal and stuff, but the producers didn't think that she was able to be assertive enough over Fraser. Because because is a very mm. matter of fact woman. Like she's like, this is how it is. Doesn't care. Yeah, that's Just, it. Like up front. And so, you know, they had to let Lisa go. Um, and then they brought in their second choice, which was uh, Perry Gilpin. There you go. Friends hadn't started at this stage, had it? No, so what year did you come in? Hey, 93? Oh, I'd be pretty Ooh, close. close. Yeah. Be pretty close. I would say it hadn't done. If she was going for this, she would. She, no way she would have gone for a role like that if she was already in Friends. I wouldn't imagine so. Uh, let's have a look. I'm gonna. Oh, you go. You're checking out. I'm gonna predict though. I reckon Friends '94. '94. Yeah. Knocker. Uh, so obviously she went on to her own success in Friends. Exactly. Because Friends was another, you know, huge hmm. sitcom around that time. And she was great as Phoebe. She was great as Phoebe. Like that's, I'd say that's hands down her best character she's ever played, hmm. which is great. 
for her. Now, with Fraser, it's a, it's a crazy dynamic because like the both the brothers are it both like psychiatrists. Psych- yeah, like it's weird a, choice. I thought it was a bit weird when I first started yeah, watching like, it. I'll, yeah, like I would have even potentially like if I was going to have been the person that wrote it and was going to write in a brother, would have made one of them like maybe like a psychiatrist and the other one a psychologist mm. or something so they could play off that dynamic or like maybe one of them was like a child psychiatrist and the other one's not so that they can have that little thing they can constantly rib each other about. Mm. So no, but they did because Niles is always ripping on Frasier for going For being into, a sellout and being yeah. in the entertainment Cause industry. Because what yeah. he says to him, he's like, you sold out the moment you took the, the radio gig. The radio gig. Yeah. Which is true and it isn't true. But I know I used to say this all the time when I was chefing. People used to always make fun of like TV chefs and stuff and they'd say, you know, oh, they sold out. They're doing ads for Coles and they're doing all this stuff. I'm like, if someone came to me and said, you don't have to work 50 to 60 hours a week in a stinking hot kitchen working your guts out anymore. You can go on TV and I'm going to give you a fuckload of money. I would be gone in a heartbeat. Like, yeah, exactly. I would do that shit in mm. no time at all. Same sort of thing. You know, if I don't have to take patient after patient after patient every day, I can just talk to people for a bit on the radio and then go home and still make good money. I'm doing it. I'll be doing it. Yeah. Hells yeah. 100%. Hmm. And yeah, they addressed it a few times though because Frazier gets hung up a bit about it at times, about whether what he's doing is really psychiatry anymore, to which Niles believes it isn't. <laughs> It'd be hard having an argument with your brother if you're both psychiatrists though. Hmm. There's another interesting thing to point out, though, is that they're very good at helping other people, but they always seem to be getting into these really weird, fucked up situations, which they shouldn't be, given their profession. Like when Niles starts to fall for for Daphne almost immediately. (laughs) Yes. As soon as he meets her. Married man, Meris. Old Meris, who never appears in the show, which which wasn't, um, wasn't an original concept. No, it wasn't. They they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to, to draw parallels to never seeing Norm's wife from Cheers. So they didn't want to do the same thing with Frasier. Yeah. So you see both sides of I would I would be very surprised if many people picked up on that and were like, Oh, it's the same thing. And if they did, hmm. they'd be like, Oh, that's cool, they'd Oh well they tried very hard. They really because they really didn't want it to be compared directly with Cheese. I was like, well, like, so that's actually part of the reason why they set the whole thing in Seattle as well. So he's moved away. He's he not also in, is as far away. He's not in we Boston to get, anymore. Yeah, trying to get as far away as Boston. Also because they didn't want the network to make them bring in cameos throughout the first season as well. Because if they were still like in Boston or somewhere close, there would be no reason why there someone from Boston wouldn't just rock up and visit Fraser Crane. However, that is a great segue because there were a lot of cameos. There were. There, I don't think they wanted to do it through the first season. Yeah, what, nearly every single... Every single living actor that was in Cheers had a cameo in Frasier Bar 1. And when you said that the first time, I'm like, what, was Kirstie Alley in there? And he's like, you're like, that's the one. That is the one indeed. <laughs> so she was the only one that did never cameoed in, in Frasier. But I said, I don't know if that was during, like, there was some time, there was a time there where she was going through some, some sort of hard stuff and hmm. she put a lot of weight on and stuff like that. And then thankfully she sort of, you know, got her life back together and, and did, did some things herself so that was good uh, but that may have been a cause for it I'm not sure I don't know what time of, what sort of time frame no, maybe she just didn't want to do it maybe she just didn't like the character maybe just didn't want to do maybe it maybe she you know like I've, I've left that part of my life behind me it's crazy considering it's one of the most successful shows ever yeah uh, now awards wise it cleaned up hell's year cleaned up it won a total of 37 primetime Emmy awards over its 11 year run 
That's a lot of Emmys. It is. Held the record for a while. It knocked uh, Mary, Mary Tyler Moore Show off its pedestal, which previously held it at 29. I know nothing about the Mary Tyler Moore Show. No, isn't, is the Mary Tyler Moore Show the show, though, that Simpsons originally started on? Or is that a no, different... No, Tracy Ullman show. It's Tracy Ullman, okay. There we go. It was a show. Um, however, they no longer hold... Fraser no longer holds the record as it was passed in 2016 by Game of Thrones, which beat it by one with 38. Which is ridiculous because Game of Thrones fucking sucks. Look, I'm Unpopular be, opinion. It is an unpopular opinion, but I have the same opinion. It's... And... Right now, there's only two of us in the room, which makes... Majority rules. <laughs> uh, I think my biggest beef with it is, and people always say, oh, man, you've just got to get you got to get like three or four seasons in then it starts getting good. I don't want to watch no. a show where I've got to get three yeah. or four seasons no in. No show it starts getting good. three or four seasons stuck. I'll give you one season. If, if by the start of the second season, things haven't picked up really well, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. And Israel, more personally as well, though, both Grammar and Pierce won four. Um, they both got one each during the 5th and 11th seasons and they're also tied for the most consecutive wins for Outstanding Comedy Series uh, tied with uh, Modern Family there you go which Modern Family is pretty good, pretty good. Modern, Modern Family is pretty solid I can, I can see that so Grammar was nominated for an Emmy for playing Fraser Crane well, through, for, throughout Fraser for every season except the 10th however P- Pierce was actually nominated every single year of the show and he, he holds the record in his car- category which I would assume be supporting actor because he wasn't the main and then didn't actually find out which category it was I imagine it would be best supporting actor in yeah. a comedy series or something, yeah, like, something that. like that yeah. that sounds like a category um, so he got nominated every single year he broke the record on his 8th nomination in 2001 and then got nominated another further 3 times after that so that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive that is very impressive he's a very good character though like he's a bit of a wanker of a character but he's a really good character he is but to Grammar's credit I guess you could say he is the only actor that has won, been nominated for an award for playing the same character on three separate TV shows. Three. Remember you saying this at the start, the clause like three. Yeah. I'm like, cheers, Fraser, but the third one. So he appeared in one episode of Wings. Wings. Which was made by the same producers that made uh, the early seasons of Cheers and then Frasier afterwards. I vaguely remember Wings. Do they have Ted Danson in it as well? I don't think so, because like, if it has Fraser Crane in it, it would have been set in the same sort of universe, if you will. Yeah. It'd be very hard to... Make... But yeah, it was like set on... I'm pretty sure it was set like in a military airfield. Looked into it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. All I ever think of is wings, from whenever I think of wings, is... Chicken. Um, not chicken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the one thing I think of is the scene in Role Models where they're talking about Wings as, like, Paul McCartney's band, Wings. Mm. And it's like, love, take me down to the street. And Paul Rudd's character's like, that's not a Wings song. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And then later on, this guy's like, hey, do you know any Wings? He's like, yeah. And this other guy starts playing guitar, and he's like, love, take me down to the street. And there's, like, a running joke through it. That's nice. what I always think of, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now, another interesting tie-in you, before you mentioned The Simpsons... Now, for those of you that aren't uh, aware, the voice of Robert Twilliger, Twilliger, even uh, better known as Sideshow Bob. Look at you pulling out the big names. Big names. Uh, stumbled over it, but I got there in the end. Proud of me. Was voiced by Kelsey Grammer. It was. And then his brother, Cecil. C- Cecil, yeah. Cecil. 
was voiced by David Hyde Pierce. Mm-hmm. And the, going for the trifecta. Going for the trifecta. Their father, Robert Terwilliger Sr., was voiced by John Mahoney. Which is pretty cool. Was Which it, is a great tie-in, obviously. Is. Obviously, it was intentional. There's no way that was not oh, intentional. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, they obviously did that on purpose. It was a good thing that they went out and actually did that, though, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're like, you going to do it? And they're like, was, yeah, we'll do it. Funny thing is, because I watched so much Simpsons, when I was watching Fraser, all I kept hearing was Sideshow Bob. Because like, there's, there's, there's a slight difference in the way that Kelsey Grammer does the voices, but there's certain parts when he's Fraser, when he his voice goes deeper... Usually when he's doing the radio show, he sounds like Sideshow Bob. Bob. That's the Sideshow Bob voice, which is really cool. Uh, a lot of famous people called in on the show as well. There were lots. Um, so yeah. even though it was recorded in front of a live studio audience, they just usually got someone to for the live recording to be the caller in. That episode, but then they got... Because obviously they didn't need to be there in person and call in. They actually got a lot of famous people um, to be the voice for the callers that were coming in, um, which all got shouted out at the end of each season. Like one of the grayscale headshot of them at the end of each season showing who had been a voice for that season. One of the first ones was um, Joe Montagna, who was he was like a rival, he was like a guy that was writing the column about Fraser and was being really critical. And they ended up getting ready to have a fist fight, and they never heard the fist fight. Yeah, yeah, up. yeah, yeah. He's another tie back to the Simpsons he's the voice of Fat Tony from the Simpsons yeah right so and he's also Rossi in Criminal Minds yeah cool yeah so but yeah I, like as soon as I heard him call in because he's got a very unique distinct voice mm. as soon as I heard it I was like well, there's one him. there I never checked into it but there was I remember watching one episode and I'm like is that fucking Joe Pesci there was one that was just very uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it wasn't Joe Pesci it may have been Jim Brewer doing Joe Pesci's voice because he does that very fucking well so it could have been but I was just listening I was like oh is it I don't know but no I've got some of the names here of people that actually called in uh, who'd we had so Gillian uh, Anderson and both David Chovney so uh, Fox and Scully yep um, but who, Halle Berry Mel Brooks Cindy Crawford Billy Crystal Jodie Foster Carrie Fisher Billy uh, Crystal would have been easy to pick his, yeah. his voice is Hilary Duff I would have thought would have been that must be more towards the show's Mate. end Hilary Duff. <laughs> uh, young me have young me watched a lot of Lizzie McGuire and not for like, nothing show. wrong with that. Uh, Daryl Hannah, Eric Idle, uh, big fan of Eric Idle, I must say, old Python. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Van Halen. You know, oh was, wow. Yeah. Uh, so no, look, um, lots of lots of people. Christopher Reeve was another one that I saw, which I was pretty impressed by. This pre the horse. I I very much doubt that. Pretty sure the horse had happened long before Fraser even started filming. Well, it was good that he, he was able to still have a little cameo appearance in that then. That's good. No, he's, he was doing a fair bit of stuff afterwards. He was in Smallville. Oh, he was too. Hmm. Which I thought was awesome. Nice little nod. It was. was. Did I... Did we talk about Niall's wife being unseen? We mentioned yes, it. we mentioned it. We did? Yeah, we go right she, into it? Well, she, she wasn't seen. There was like... The reason they didn't, they did that was because... The writers kept coming up with hilarious reasons why she wasn't on camera. We'd done it all. We didn't do all. We didn't go into that. Oh well, that's the reason why. Yeah. Yeah. Because the producers, uh, yeah, just kept loving making excuses for why she couldn't be there. Pretty much. And, th- and then that's right. Because we started on the whole on norms. They didn't want to draw parallels. That's and then right. We, then we got off topic. We did get very off topic. Like us at all. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, they, started, they just love making excuses for her in the end. Um, and eventually got to the point where they just. They embellished 
this unseen character so much that they realised that there was actually no one that could ever actually play that character. The, the character of Maris. Which is, uh, they end up killing her off or anything? Or they do a divorce angle or what happens? Well, I'm pretty sure Niles ends up marrying, marrying Daphne for the yeah. end. So, yeah. I'm not too sure whether they killed her or they just split up. But, yeah. Spoilers, by the way. Spoilers. <laughs> Again, if, if it's anything, if it's anything before you like what twenty sixteen, you should be ready. Spoiler for it. warning: shouldn't be too much of an issue. But no, uh, absolutely fantastic show. Wasn't it? Could never have been Frasier as well because originally when they started making it, so Frasier actually went into made a well, not Frasier, Kelsey Kramer made a deal with the when the original producer Cheers left. Um, they left during the eighth season of Cheers. They actually made an agreement that once Cheers was over, that they would all do a new series together. And so once, because they left to go do Wings. Yeah. And then once it became, during the 10th season, when it became apparent that Cheers would be ending after its 11th, they got in contact again and started working on the concept for the new show. Originally, it was going to be that, because Grandma, Grandma didn't actually want to continue playing Fraser Crane. Yeah. Which is hard to think, because he did such a good job of it. Uh, so they went through, he's going to be like a wealthy Malcolm Forbes-like paraplegic character, running a business from his apartment. They're going to have a street smart Hispanic living nurse with whom he's going to clash with. Um, Paramount Television just told them, no, nah, do a spin-off, get Fraser Crane back. So once Kramer agreed to do that, that's when they decided to move it away from Boston so they wouldn't... Kramer. Have... You see Kramer, mate. Kramer? Yeah. Not, this is not Seinfeld. Jeez, what is going on here? I'm even drinking beers during this I know, recording. We're, we're actually doing this one <laughs> dead sober. Maybe the beers help. Maybe they do. But Grandma agreed to do the show, obviously. Yeah, Grandma agreed to do the show, and well, I mean, really, pretty much that's it. The rest is history, isn't it? Yeah. You got what I mean? Obviously, the only thing that I really kept from that was the living sort of nurse who obviously then became Daphne for his dad. Yeah, which was a good choice as well. Mm. Yeah, no. Super iconic TV show. I loved it. The only other thing I didn't realise that every single season, the uh, the title card, Frasier, actually used a different colour every single season. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that either. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Mm, I think, I was looking through the colours and I think towards the end, though, they said it's like, it was like, started off with like blue and then I think it like went to like, light blue or something like that, like a different shade because obviously they started running out of colours to use. Well, that was pretty funny. Yeah, well, you I mean, you eventually will run out of colours. But yeah, with the, uh, speaking of blues, Let's move on to the Blues Brothers. Indeed, the Blues Brothers. Now, this was obviously something that you've really wanted me to watch for a long time, uh, much longer than I think even planning this, this, this before, podcast. Before the, even, the idea of the podcast had even started, you have been handing me that I had needed to watch it. So, I have now. I don't know. I wish I could put like a like a little applause sound effect yeah. in there somewhere. Anyway, that's very technical. Maybe later. Maybe later on. Maybe when we've got our own roles and she can do stuff like that. Exactly. Um, but oh, I've seen it now. It's, yeah, it's one of my, if not probably my all-time favourite movie. I think it's just because I've got a lot of memories of it as a kid. Like, my dad showed it to me. And probably not a really appropriate movie for a kid to watch at first. But, like, there's a lot of swearing and stuff in it, but... There was a bit. I actually, actually do remember thinking that, well, I think, because they do drop, drop a few F-bombs, don't they? They do. I actually thought that was a little bit, I guess, for the time. Probably, that didn't happen as often, I guess. People aren't as liberal. I mean, shit. We're making tight TV series is now where they drop the, the word cunt all the time. Yeah. But back then, it was not, not really the done thing. Especially coming from something like being a spin-off of something from SNL. First one, actually. Saturday Night Live. Mm. No swearing on that unless it was an accident. 
because uh, that was you know taped live a lot of the time. Mm. I wonder how often that actually happens on there, especially back then. I think some people got told never to come back again for doing stuff they shouldn't have done because they knew it was live. No, well, that's actually funny because apparently uh, Belushi actually got fired and rehired like almost instantly a fair few times from um, Saturday Night Live. Belushi was a loose cannon, mm. <laughs> to say the very <laughs> least. Yeah, great film. Uh, we'll go into a bit of depth with it. We'll go to get the sort of the facts sort of things through that first, I guess. Mm. Um, one of the most interesting facts that you brought up that I was obviously already aware of, but is very much worth noting, is they actually had a cocaine budget on the show. Yeah, I blew out when I found that out. It's like they actually set aside a certain amount of the budget for cocaine for, for night shoots. Yeah, because obviously Belushi, big fan of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Fisher was also a, a, fan, a fan. fan of cocaine. Uh, she used to do nail bumps. She'd get them in the nail and do them off, the, off her fingernails. Yeah, right. For like longer nails, which is interesting. And I'm sure there would have been other people on the cast that would have... I reckon John Candy probably would have had a few bumps here and there. Mm. No, even Ackroyd. Even Ackroyd. Yeah, no. I mean, he's admitted it himself, you know. He said he was never as heavy as some of the others, like Belushi, but... And then the band... He still partook. The band would have partaken a oh, bit as well. Definitely. Well, that's it, because Carrie Fish actually had like a, their own... Like, this is phenomenal. Like, I swear, like, I had their own bar built called the Blues Club on set for them to go to. It's like for them, uh, for the, the cast, crew, and friends. Yeah. And Carrie Fisher's actually said that most of the bar staff there actually doubled up as being the drug dealers as well. They could basically procure anything that you wanted. Mate, that's going to be when we know we made it. When this show has its own bar and a <laughs> cocaine budget, <laughs> we've made it. <laughs> Which is funny, I mean, when you look at their budget, so they couldn't decide on a budget at first when they first went into it, and they ended up spending $27.5 million on the film and went $10 million over budget. Yeah. Probably, like, I, I doubt they would have admitted it at the time, but looking back and knowing it now, I'm pretty sure the people that were funny were like, you went $10 million over budget, and you set aside some of it for just, just drugs. But it was also like a box office smash. Like, it was pretty... Pretty big at the box office when it first came out. It was. I mean, it had a bit of competition as well because it actually came out, um, I think, a week before Return of the Jedi. So it actually had some pretty big competition. And it had the the second biggest opening week of the top of the era behind Empire Strikes Back, which is pretty pretty big. That's pretty massive. Like that's that's big money. It is. Yeah. That's like the Avatar sort of era. Like if you were in the modern era, like Avatar or. Mm. Um, what, something recently broke Avatar's record, didn't it? Oh, uh, was it... One of the Marvel movies. I, yeah, I was going to say, probably one of the Marvel movies. Endgame, maybe? Very well could have been. I reckon it would have been Endgame. I mean... That was huge. It was huge. No and all, that whole franchise is just far out. Monstrous. The amount of money that that's brought in. A ridiculous amount. Mm. And Ackroyd actually fought hard to... back. While we get back on topic, fought hard to have the artists in the show having like speaking roles like the musical guests like uh, Aretha Franklin Aretha Franklin James Brown Cab Calloway uh, Ray Charles Ray Charles' character is probably my favourite yeah in it he was great he was just so good and just it just fit that role perfectly and the reason he did that was it caused friction between Landis and Universal originally and later person because the cost exceeded the original budget and they, they were getting sort of a, bit, a little bit pissy about it because they were like, none of them had actually, except for Char- Ray Charles, who had, but none of them had had recent hits. 
yeah. like. Um, so they were all sort of a bit on the way out. They actually wanted to have younger acts like Rose Royce, uh, who had the song Car Wash. Yes. Um, yeah. From the film of the same name that was in came out in nineteen seventy six. There's only like four years. Mm. They wanted something a bit more recent, but Ackroyd was adamant that nah. these people had to be in it. They did. They, it, fit, it, it fit the the mould better. It did. For the songs and everything they were doing, that made, the, the people they got made more sense. Which actually makes a bit more sense if you think about it. If you, you obviously you haven't seen the second one, you've been in the second one. Aretha Franklin's character comes back again. Her and Matt now own a car dealership. <laughs> and he wants to go out on the road again. And she's like, no. And then they break out in the song again, like in the first one where they did where she did Think, which is one of her hits at the time. But they did Respect. Oh, nice. And obviously that was a more like one of probably her biggest hit. Mm. So that was a maybe that was a cheeky nod to, all right, we've got older performers still, but now we're bringing big hits. That's it. With yeah. them, the first movie, like I remember watching it as a kid, and I still watch it like at least once a year now. And it's yeah, I love all the stuff in it. I love some of the like the one-liners, the like little gags, even like when they're into seeing the nun and. Jake's like, I guess you really up shit Creek because they didn't want it. She didn't want him to use dirty means to get the money for the orphanage. <laughs> and she's like, hits him with the rule. And she's like, What did you say? He's like, You needed help. I offered to help. You refused. Then I said, I guess you really up shit Creek. <laughs> like, and the absolute look of shock on Elwood's face, like, You had a chance to fix that and you didn't. <laughs> and then he obviously tumbles down the stairs in the desk, which is hilarious. That was pretty funny. But yeah, there's so many good little gags in it. When they're driving through the mall, John Candy's character is excellent. He's pretty good. Like, a very minor role, but he does it well. He does it very well. Like, um, I think when, in the, in the, in the end, when they're um, doing the big blues, the big performance to get yeah. the money, and he's there, and like, the cop's like, oh, there they are. He's just like, oh, let's just let's see how it goes. Let's hear him out. Yeah. And then he um, he does the, which is, was like an improv sort of line from himself. Because he had a friend who owned a Orange Julius stand. Mm. So he made like a little nod to that by when he's, they're all sitting there at the table and he's like, who wants an Orange Whip? Orange Whip? Orange Whip? Three Orange Whips. It's like a little nod to his friend. Obviously no. he couldn't use the business name. Like they can't be seen to market things. The Illinois Nazis. <laughs> finally, finally enough, that's not a thing anymore. That's not a thing anymore. Um, Illinois Nazis. Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Uh, but the soundtrack's great. Actually, that's another good point thing that you point out there. I think I am not aware, I can't think of another movie before then, because definitely a formula that's been used a lot since where the main protagonists of the movie go around and end up pissing off a lot of different groups of people that end up chasing them down as they're on their way. Like, start off with, obviously, the police. The police want to get them. They piss off the Nazis. They piss off the um, the old, old, old the good old boys. And they all start chasing them down. Like, I actually can't... Like they, I reckon they would have to have helped start that sort of formula. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a point that was made to me when I spoke to a guy one time that I met at a pub, he pointed out to me that there's a deeper that he well, he believes there's a deeper meaning to that. To the different groups chasing well, to, them or to down, the fact or? that they 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 never get caught through the whole thing except right at the end. But mm. his theory on it was that because they were on a mission from God. Yeah, yeah. They got away with everything until they completed the mission and got the money there for the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And then they got arrested and went to jail. Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. It, it was always funny, though, when they're doing all this dodgy stuff and then they're like, we're on a mission from God. 
<laughs> it's true. So, what are you guys doing? Like, we're on a mission from God. I like Jake's scene in it, the um, the diner where Aretha Franklin is. Uh, oddly enough, I don't know if you caught it or not, but on the way when they're going, I think it's on the way in. There's John Lee Hooker's out the front playing his hit song, Boom Boom Boom. Yeah, that was great. Which is mm. like, and, he's, and then he starts arguing with some guy in the street. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was great. But when you go, they go in there and they they put their order together, and it's like like Elwood is like some dry white toast, yeah. nothing on it, and then. Jake's like four fried chickens and a coach. Like, you want wings or you want thighs or something like that? And he's like, like no, four whole fried chickens and a Coke. Yeah, it's just gold. It's good. Um, Bob's Country Bunker, where they go and they uh, they play Rawhide and Stand By Your Man. Mm-hmm. And they go in there and he's asked the lady behind the bar, what kind of music do you play here? And she says, oh, we got both kinds, country and western. I still use that now. I say that. That is a very, like, I was, even before seeing the movie, I was very aware of that line from that That line from that scene. Yeah. And they actually call back because, like, obviously, they rip Bob off. (laughs) He says to them, the pay was $200 and you boys drank $300 worth of beer. And then then Jake's like, I'm just going to go write out a check. Uh, I usually sign the check on the glove compartment of the car. I'm going to be in the car signing the check. And then they just fucking take off. Yeah. Uh, but Bob actually comes into the second movie and he's um, he owns a diner now and like while they're all in there he's like don't I recognise you boys and they're like like, nope shaking their heads and they hide <laughs> behind their menus it's hilarious how many of the original band do they get back for the second movie all of them all of them yep. yeah nice that's pretty awesome some of them like Willie Hall owns a nightclub which is what helps Elwood get back on his feet after getting released from jail and finding out from Frank Oz's character the who's now the warden of the prison that um jake's dead so which was good in the sense that they didn't try to just recast belushi that was good yeah because he, he probably couldn't do that it wouldn't have worked i reckon it would have done no everyone yeah it's definitely better i reckon especially big time fans of the original movie would have hated someone else trying to be jake yeah and even like even the singing from the like the movies though like the people that weren't actual singers like Aykroyd and Belushi and stuff What's the thing, was though? on point. What's the thing? Because Aykroyd, like, they actually did a whole thing. Like, I actually looked into that, like, the Blues Brothers and the band. Like, they... They, they went on tour. Yeah, they went on tour. It all started off. They did lots of stuff as the Blues Brothers um, on, on Saturday Night Live as well. They, yeah, they um, did, like, they'd, or, they'd already recorded a live album before the movie had even been made. Yeah. I have, but, a, I have one of the live albums on vinyl. Yeah, Nice. I bought that one and another one of the Blues Brothers albums on vinyl at a market somewhere. Yeah. Saw them and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting these. Yeah, mine. Yeah, I'm taking these. I don't even have a record player at the moment. <laughs> but I was like, I'm getting these. Hey, collectible. That's right. Now, something that you bought out was, that I wasn't actually even aware of, is the Valhalla Cinema here in in Australia. In Melbourne. In Melbourne. Melbourne. As, or Melbourne, as uh, our American friends say. Um, Just wait a while we're on that topic if you are from America we take out most of the letters when we say it it's just Melbourne 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 that's how it's done um, um, but yeah so yeah the house cinema they have a regular audience participation screening of the Blues Brothers um, they also do another one which is for the Rocky Horror Picture Show as well um, but it created enough of attraction that John Landis actually um, rang the cinema on the movie's 10th anniversary screening of, of it and then invited regular attendees of those screenings to be in Blues Brothers 2000. 
um, and they can be seen in the crowd during the performance of Ghost Riders in the Sky. Yeah, which I think I explained to you before is another tie-in to the first movie where they go to Bob's Country Bunker and they don't do any country songs and they're like, fuck, we've got to do something. Uh, in the second movie, their agent books them in as the Bluegrass Brothers. Like he's on the, mm. you can just see, like there's a scene where he's on the phone and he's like, he's like, no, not Bluegrass, Blues. They play Blues. And then the guy's like, I must obviously say something like, we're not got, we want a Bluegrass band. He's like, oh, Sorry, I misunderstood you. Yeah, it's Bluegrass. Yeah, they're, they're the Bluegrass Brothers. <laughs> and then they get up there and they're like, they're like, they'll be booked us as a Bluegrass band. We don't know any Bluegrass. And John Goodman's character, Mac, who's now filling in for Jake, <clears throat> he turns to the band and he's like, Riders. And then uh, Elwood's like, Duck, give me a give me a mountain tempo in A minor. And they start playing Blues Brothers. Uh, they start playing Ghost Riders in the Sky. And then they tell all the fans, which is obviously the people, some of the people from the Valhalla Cinema that go there all the time, to rush the stage and get as close to the stage as possible to cover them, to get away from the cops, because the cops <laughs> are already after them. That's pretty cool. I think one thing I liked about the, um, in Bob's Bunker, um, was they, they point out the fact that they've got that, like, chicken wire thing on the front of the stage. Yeah. And when they start playing at first, it becomes apparent why, because they start throwing bottles because they don't like what they're hearing. Yeah. But it becomes even more apparent when they start playing stuff they like, and they just still continue throwing shit at the chicken wire. Yeah. Even though they like it now. Uh, my brother always points out that there's one of the guys um, from the band, I think it's... Oh, what's his name? The guy with the moustache and the long hair, I can't remember his name, because he's not one of the more known ones. But he, when the lights go off, they're like, oh, we must have blown the power. And he's like, nah, man, them lights went off for a reason. He's like, you can, my brother's always like, you can tell who's the stoner in the bunch. He, he's paranoid, but he switched on. <laughs> um, other things I found out. So um, apparently Aykroyd had to write the original screenplay for the movie himself. And he'd never written a screenplay ever. Nor had he read one. <laughs> So he didn't really know what to do. So he ended up writing like he couldn't find a writing partner. So he just wrote it in. He apparently ended up writing a very descriptive one, um, explained all the characters' origins, how the band was recruited, and everything else. With a final draft being 324 pages long, which apparently is three times longer than a normal screenplay. That's crazy. <laughs> it is. Um, he obviously must have had an idea though that it was too long. Because when he went and actually gave it to one of the producers, he bound it in a Los Angeles Yellow Pages cover and credited it to being written by um, Scriptatron at GL9000. He's got a good sense of humour. He does. He's, he he's does. got a cracking sense of humour. <laughs> um, Fortunately for Landis then, he then had to go away and actually rework it into a workable screenplay, which took him about two weeks to do, apparently. Which is fair, because that's a lot of stuff to go through. Mm. There, there are tie-ins between the two movies, of course. Uh, a lot of people don't like the second movie as much. I wouldn't say it's as good, but the music in it's just as solid. I did look into it that was, a, like, I guess in ways of critical and monetary and everything, it was considered a failure. Yeah. On, like, nearly every one. Every that, level. That, 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 yeah, that those sort of things get measured. Yeah. Sequels usually aren't as good, though, uh, especially if you've lost, you know, good cast members. True, true. Oh, like, oh, yeah, again, big fan of the music. There's some great tie-ins or, like, references to other people in the thing, like Frank Oz, obviously the puppeteer for uh, like Miss Piggy and... Oh, I can tell you. Uh, so he does... He's puppeteer for Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, um, Animal, and Sam Eagle. 
Yep. Um, that's when it was Animal's the Muppet Show. Hands down, yeah. one of my favourite Muppets. Definitely, and he does Cookie Monster Burton Grover on Sesame Street. Yeah. And then that's obviously referenced when they're driving through the mall and tearing <laughs> shit up. There's that guy that's like got the... He's got a Grover in his hand, and he's like, give him Miss Piggy. Or is it a Kermit? Grover. I think it's a oh. Kermit. I can't remember who it was now. Yeah, it's I've watched point. it a million times, and I can't remember. I know, because I know Grover and Kermit are both visible at one point. But did you know that, um, talking about the mall scene, Landis is actually in that scene? Pretty sure it was Landis. So, yeah, apparently these one of the cops... In the, I reckon it will be the second police car, so not the, the main one with the two cops that are chasing them down but for the rest of the movie. You broke my watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's actually him in... I don't know which one it was. I don't know if he was the one that had his watch broken. Yeah. But in that chase scene, talking about the chase scenes, though, the cars that got destroyed. Mate, there was some carnage. There was. So Pardon Very much intended there. <sighs> Terrible. <laughs> so, they wrecked a total of, like, how many cars? Uh, 103 cars and held the record for quite a long time. 18 years until... Until... Its own sequel. 2000, broken by one car. Broken by one car by its own sequel. And then that held the record until like 2008 or something when... Oh, close, 2009. 2009, G.I. Joe, Ride of Cobra or whatever it was. Yeah, 112. 112. So that were like... Mm, Three more. Whatever. Couldn't just, you know... I think it would have been cooler if it had, had remained Blues Brothers and then got surpassed by its own sequel by just one more car. And then just kept it at that. Mm, that would have been pretty cool. Uh, with the cars as well, they actually dropped the the Ford Pinto. Yeah, yeah. From like a great height, like a huge height when mm. they did it for the when they when the Nazis. Obviously, they didn't drop it with the people in it. <laughs> Hope not. Um, they dropped from like twelve hundred feet. Which I actually calculated. Um, it was because I wanted to know because that means absolutely nothing to me. Twelve hundred feet. I'm like I have no idea. Um, but it was like three hundred and something meters. Yeah, 365 metres. That's... That, yeah. It's pretty high up. That's pretty high up. And actually, yeah, they get special airways and certificate from the Federal Aviation Administration. Um, and they were concerned that the car was actually going to be too aerodynamic and would be a threat to nearby buildings. <laughs> <laughs> that gold. Uh, they actually had a lot of trouble with the special effects guys. It took them ages to get the car right so that when the Blues Brothers pull up at that last scene where they pull up to the tax office... When they get out of it, the car just falls to pieces. It did. You fell to a lot of pieces, and too. It did. Like, it, it took them ages to get that right. But then when they obviously get into the tax office, the clerk there that they deal with mm-hmm. is Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg himself. Yeah, which is a nice little cameo. Did it, yeah, that was. I mean, I mean, you don't see that man in front of the camera too often. No, not at all. <laughs> I guess going on about like, car chases and the amount of cars that they used, so... The car chase through the city of Chicago cost $3.5 million to do, and is to date the largest scene ever filmed in Chicago. Chicago. I only given permission after Aykroyd and Belushi offered to donate $50,000 to charity after filming. <laughs> Fair enough. At least, at least charity got something out of it. That's right. Um, and they were given special permission to drive the Bluesmobile through the Daily Centre lobby, which they then caused $7,650 worth of damage to 35 granite paver stones and a bronze air grill. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Apparently they um you know, like they, they drive through the glass to go in there. Yeah. Apparently they actually took out the actual glass there and put like special whatever movie glass. glass. Yeah, movie glass in there so to they drive the car through. Didn't kill everyone in the car or anything like. Yeah, that. didn't do that, and obviously probably would have been cheaper than having to replace the actual glass. Actually, yeah. 
Although they would have to take it out and then put it back in. Still would have been cheaper than Still replacing cheaper it, I reckon. replacing it, I imagine, yeah. Yeah. Which is very, very, very cool. Uh, I still love the scene at, towards the end as well where they're escaping through the... Well, they got, they're coming up through the tunnel. Carrie Fisher's character there. She's Did she like ever get a name? Jake's children's lover. I don't think she actually gets a name. Yeah. And then he's like... He's like, sweetie. It's like... My car ran out of gas. I got a flat tire. Locusts! It wasn't my fault. Mm. And then he drops her in the mud and fucks off. That's it. Apparently she was actually dating Dan Aykroyd at the time too. That's how she got the rock. Yeah. And they would do cocaine together. Why not? Fucking why not? Now, before... Well, just tying back to the uh, the Hullis cinema thing as well. Mm. I'm totally going over there at some stage. I reckon, to yeah. Go, to go get a part of... Be a part of the show. That'd yeah, I, oh, yeah, because no, I couldn't find... Like when it says audience audience participation, like you're just getting part of the songs or what? Like I actually want to know what it is that you do to participate. I'm gonna find, I'll, I'll I'll imagine you get up and you, you get get, get a much of the music, a bit of a groove on, get a groove. And it's all good music you can dance to. It is, oh exactly. You can boogie along. Cab Calloway's Mini the Moocher scene at the end is great as well, where he's, he's sort of trying to cause delay the crowd because they're going crazy waiting for the show to start. Oh yeah, so that's good. It. I like how like all of a sudden. Like, like what happens? Yeah, it switches. They're all dressed up. They're all looking real nice, looking sharp. And then, and then it's not like that at all. Yeah, and then it just switches back. Like, yeah, there's yeah. no reference to it. Like, there's nothing mm. that ties it together or no, nothing. But you know, whatever. Agro with his his glue, and he's like, "This is glue, strong stuff." He sprays uh, that it was, on the. That was one cool thing that I did like though, because um, I thought the scene where um, Elwood goes in and quits his job. But you're seeing with the bag, and I was just like, that. And he steals a couple of cans, and you're yeah. like, what the fuck? I was like, that was some pointless shit right there. I'm like, if they just. That does not relate back to anything later on. And then they that was right like, in. why was it even in there? Yeah. Right. But it was there, because I, I did not. I was like, that was really weird and random, and why? But then, yeah, it was good. Came back at the end, and you see him popping out tyres or. I think, puts, I, think puts air, I think puts aerosol in, like, the actual gas in the tyres. Mm. So when they heat up. They explode, mm. which is smart. Also, like when he when he first takes Jake back to his place, and he, Jake's like, "How often does the train go by?" It's like so often you won't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. This little shithole place. Uh, I think the only other thing I can really sort of tie in with it is well, we went to I went to one of the bars here in Hobart, which I won't name, but for anyone in Hobart that's here, you have to sell a kidney to buy a drink there. It is quite expensive. And they their whole shtick is they just make whatever you feel you're in the mood for. You say, oh, I feel like this. And then they'll just make you something that's like that. Uh, so I went in there and said to the guy behind the bar, I'm like, oh, have you ever seen the movie Blues Brothers? He's like, yeah, I love that movie. I'm like, cool, can you make me something like an orange whip? He's like, what's an orange whip? I'm like, you obviously haven't seen the movie <laughs> or you haven't watched it that much. And he's like, oh, I don't know what it is. I'm like, well, it needs to be creamy, orangey and boozy. He's like, all right, I can make that. And he made it. It was expensive. I think it was like 16, 18 bucks or something like that. But it was a fucking... It's probably one of the best cocktail I've ever had in my life. It was really good. Worth it then. Yeah. Uh, the guy from How to Drink on YouTube, another YouTube channel I follow, he makes cocktails from TV shows and movies. Um, he actually made the orange whip and it looks heaps easier, heaps less expensive. And <laughs> than what you had. Than what I had and looks fucking delicious as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to have to knock up a bath to them at, at some stage and we'll... Do it. We'll have a few orange whips. Yeah, do it. Get amongst it. The thing is, I guess as far as SNL movies go, it's ranked second movie. And this is more in regards to uh, like box, box office, office take-ins. take-ins. Um, it is ranked second. 
between the two Wayne's World movies. Between, yeah, so Wayne's World one, and then he's the most successful. Yeah, and then Blues Brothers. Wayne's World. Oh, Wayne's, Wayne's World too. Yeah, you look for the next. I think it was actually a very close call between neither Roxbury and Superstar. Yeah, oh, almost the same. There you go. Um, I could obviously talk about the Blues Brothers for hours, uh, but we should probably look at wrapping this up. So we will now consult the old Hats of Destiny. The Hats of Destiny. I will draw the first one. You don't even know what you've got there, do you? No. Hang on. Let me have a look. I've got Commander Keen, obviously from the uh, video game hat. Video games... Computer games. I know that song. Can I? Can, can we get sued for me just singing it like that? I don't think so. Yeah, well. I don't think we'd actually use the music. <laughs> um, what do we got? All right then. And if we can, if we can get sued for that, we're gonna get sued for me singing the Fraser theme before. Oh, well. Funnily enough, go from one of your favourite movies to one of my all-time favourite movies. And to be fair. I know this is a lot of people's all-time favourite movies. It's also one of my all-time favourite movies. The Shawshank Redemption. Like, my top three are Shawshank, Blues Brothers, and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, nice. I don't know if I could do that off the top of my head like that. Yeah. I like your confidence. Got to be confident. But that means we've got one more. Which is TV shows. And I'll let you do the honours, mate. Thank you. What have I got? (laughs) Oh, what a choice. Rick and Morty. Season four has just started coming out. It's uh, Is it fully out now. Uh, or is no, out there's drag? one more episode for it. Should hopefully, I'm hoping, goes to a mid-season break. Right. So that'll be fairly timely. This is going to be our last episode for the year as well, I think. Um, yes, it should be the last episode for the year. I think you're right there. Let's see what is. It? Uh, yeah, twenty ninth to be just before the end of the year. Uh, twenty eighth. That's okay. Twenty eighth. No, hang on. Yeah, twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. Twenty eighth is yeah. So that's uh yeah yeah this will be end of the year. That's it. This will be our last episode. Yeah. So the Rick and Morty episode will actually be our first episode. Rick and Morty, Shawshank, and Commander Keen will be our the first, first episode, episode of twenty twenty. I can see it clearly now. Oh. Fuck, do I have to put off the whole year of that? That's a whole year. Fuck. Uh, but, given this is our last episode, uh, for the for the year, for the decade. Fuck, for the decade. For the decade. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. We've got the Twitters, we've got Instagram, we've got Facebook, we've got our website, colderpopularity.com. Uh, feel free, get on there, give us a like. Share some stuff around. We are... We're still taking suggestions. Still taking suggestions for uh, to do our suggested episode. We are looking at doing a couple of special episodes coming up soon as well, so keep an ear out for them. I think so. Um, might even look at branching out, maybe looking into some other aspects of, of the pop culture. Yeah, like comic books, regular books. Um, music. Music, comedy, as in like stand-up, mm. things like that, uh, and anime. Another another aspect, which I'm sure mm. you'll lead the charge on that one, because you're more the anime head than I am. Mm. Not even that big, but I've definitely I've definitely got a select few that I I really like to do. Big fan of, but yeah, keep an ear out for that. Uh, this is our last episode for the decade, so as always, so, uh, 
as it is the last one of the year. Hope you guys all did have a good Christmas as much as we don't like it. Still hope you had a good Christmas. As much as we don't like Christmas, we do hope you had a good Christmas. Have a happy uh, new year. Have a happy new year and we'll see you next decade. Cop that.